0: Good morning, Sarah Hepla. Good morning, Nancy Rommelman. It is so early. It's still dark here in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> look, look what we do for you guys. We're getting up, crack of dawn. Yeah, Sarah's got a you have an interview today yeah. you have to do? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. um and I, and I as you as you commented, I fixed my hair into a nice little um pebble splintstone um um ponytail for you today. It looks cute. Thank you.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. So it's still dark here. It makes me feel like we're having a little sleepover, um, <laughs> pillow fight.
0: Yeah, baby
1: doll pajamas. Um, um, so something interesting happened this morning. Tell it, me. It, so I woke up at six, and and at six thirty, as I was I was getting ready, um, a marching band went down my street. What at six I know. in the morning? At six thirty in the morning, and I swear that I live about. I'm going like, what is happening? And, uh, you know, the only <laughs> thing I can think is it's Friday and and I live about two miles from a high school so that it would be a high school marching band. But I'm still confused what they were doing at 630 in the morning. I live in not exactly a remote area, but it's like a residential area. So this was just a very strange incident and I'm left wondering, is this something that high school bands do? I, I don't know if there's, like, would you,
0: like, it seems so early. Um, did you get a look at it? Or you? No, just unfortunately,
1: it? I didn't. No, no, I was. Maybe they were
0: filming something.
1: That's actually not a bad guess. Um, yeah, because I was like, if they do this on Fridays, how did it take me so many years to ever noticed that there was a marching band going well, down the street on Fridays.
0: When did school start in your part of the world?
1: I mean, I think a couple weeks ago. No, Right? It yeah. It could be,
0: I mean, they could, it could have be a I mean, start of school. It could be that, I mean, it does seem a little early, but sometimes uh, I know in sports, we I used to recruit in college and we used to have morning practices at 6 a.m. Like we had to be on the river 6 a.m. and then also in the afternoons. So, right. It could be that was um, that that on Fridays. That's what these kids have to do. They got to learn those that discipline, Sarah. Also, oh it. wait, Texas Saturday night football, high school Friday, Friday nights. Oh, so Friday hello. night lights, babe. Friday night lights. Okay, so I think we've solved it. They've got yeah, a no, game it, it's tonight. Definitely,
1: it's definitely um, I mean, it's it's football day. I I know this. This okay. is uh, you know.
0: And so the band—they've only been in school a couple of weeks. They gotta sharpen up for tonight. Yes, so. And can we talk about what's his name, Kyle? What's his name in Friday Night Lights? The actor, Kyle Chandler. Oh my god! I, I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know one gal that isn't like <sighs> over. What, what about him. Uh, Taylor? Oh, he was the the dude, the football dude, the player. Yeah, the troubled. Yeah, long-haired, troubled. Long hair yeah. equals trouble, right? In in, yeah. in high school. Things. Yeah. That's right. yeah i Shaggy that's, hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. I didn't actually watch that series too much, but um, Sheila What? What's as, his I, name? Um, I uh what's the uh, Bloodlines is the other one I will recommend with uh Kyle Chandler, which actually I really keep wanting to watch again. It's so spooky and eerie, and it makes you want to live in the Florida Keys and live some sort of dystopian life. It had Kyle Chandler and Sam Shepard. I think it was his last role. Before he died. Um, anyway, um, did we come here just? So you know, we had a we have a super fan and a friend who told us we have to stop yakking so much before uh, we tell people what we're gonna be talking about because people are like, okay, listen, gals, I don't care about your hair. I don't care about television. We want to know what is the meat of the matter of this episode. So would you like to do the honors before we keep yakking?
1: Sure. We'll be okay. talking about um a new biography about Anthony Bourdain Uh that uh, pulls the curtain back on on his troubled life. And speaking of troubled celebrity lives, we will also be talking about Blonde, the new Netflix movie on Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Which we both watched. Which we both uh, watched. And before we get to any of those things, I also want to say for any Friday night lights fans out in the audience that the character I was trying to think of was Tim Riggins, the great Tim Riggins and the actor is Taylor Kitsch okay. and, uh, he's sort of like one of the, like if you have a bad boy problem, that's going to be on your menu.
0: He's going to be was on, on mine. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Well let's, uh, let's jump into it. Maybe we can start with blonde. What do you think? Oh, start with blonde. We're gonna do yeah. it in the opposite. Okay. I think so I think so. I think I think I need after what you sent me last night, which I'm actually still really disturbed about. I'd rather save that for the end because I don't know if I'll be able to, to do much after that. Um, all right, so blonde. Blonde is a, I mean, I guess you could kind of call it a biopic on Marilyn Monroe. It's based on a a, a novel. Uh, so it's based on fiction uh, by Joyce Carol Oates. Um, and she wrote about Marilyn Monroe's life. I haven't read the book. Have you read the book? No, I haven't. It came
1: out in about 2000. It's more than 700 pages. Uh, it takes the basic facts of her life and then kind of imagines um, Marilyn's inner thoughts. And, uh, you know, it was nominated for Pulitzer when it came out, I think. Um
0: I, I kind of you know one thing that um people always do when we we talk about you know writing about um celebrities which is also going to be when we're talking about in the next uh the next book um uh the Tony Bourdain book you know they say well people take you know license um now when you're writing, when you're writing nonfiction, you can't really take license. I mean, you there, look, there's any way you, you can imagine things as the writer, or you can talk about them, but you have to make it clear that these are imaginings. When you're writing fiction, you really can use the sort of energy and inspiration of a person's life and go wherever you want. And that's what Joyce Carol Oates did. And I think I've seen, I've seen a few people like, well, that didn't actually happen. It's like, yeah, because it's fiction. She was used, Marilyn in this case, is used as sort of an inspiration to tell a larger story. And I had the sense as I was watching this, and we'll get into like the filmmaking of it in a second. I had a sense of, of, as I've had of Marilyn Monroe for a very, very long time in which I saw exemplified when I was in L.A. right after my my little novel, novella, The Bad Mother, came out. I was staying um, across from uh, Man's Chinese, and it was like 8 o'clock in the morning. I was going out to get a cup of coffee, and they were wheeling in front of Man's Chinese um, this sort of larger-than-life-size statue of Marilyn Monroe. It's like plaster. It's on wheels. And, of course, all the tourists can stand around and have their pictures taken. And, and I looked at it, and I went up close. I mean, it's pockmarked. It's filthy. Everybody's touching it. Everybody's touching her boobs. And it's just its like we're still we're still getting inspiration from this character or something from her. We're still asking her to give. And, you know, it can Mm. be done crudely or it can be done uh, with some art, which I'm I'm imagining that Joyce Carol Oates did. Um, The movie, on the other hand, really seems to take it even another step further. And by that, I don't mean another step further in terms of art. I mean another step further in terms of the writer director just had some stories he wanted to tell. And and Marilyn's almost like the germ or the host that launches it. Mm. But I don't really think, I don't, I mean, I don't really think it's even about learning more about her. I think it's just like we, you know, art begets art, ideas beget ideas. And he, this was his launching pad to launch into some other stuff. Okay, Does that's that interesting. Sense? Well, I want to hear more about
1: that. So this uh this movie is uh directed and adapted by Andrew Dominic, who is an Australian director. He also did a movie called The Assassination of Jesse James. It's not a movie I've seen, but I heard good things about it. Um so yeah, I have a couple questions. I mean, before we, we get into what uh what you think Dominic was was trying to do with this film you said something so interesting you know that like <laughs> Marilyn had been giving us so much this this was it a poster that was in Man's Chinese no, Theater no it was a life size live cut like, yeah cut it's out? a
0: lot no it's, it's a plaster statue basically oh, a plaster it's statue yeah, okay right. yeah yeah yeah
1: Man's Chinese being a famous yeah, used to be, uh, restaurant in Los Angeles. Well, it's, it's
0: it's now it used to be Grauman's Chinese. Yeah. it was like theater and restaurant now it's it's just a movieplex. It's right on Hollywood Boulevard. It's like okay. the big tourist eye where everybody gathers, yeah. you know. So, yeah.
1: Um and uh so one of the things I wanted to ask you was you know, we, we've talked about Elvis before. Um, it's interesting, by the way, that Elvis and Marilyn are both having these uh, big movies in the same year. It speaks to some sort of nostalgia, maybe, for these uh, the early days of of celebrity or, or, or modern celebrity. Um, these were people that were both kind of kind of eaten alive in in different ways by their own fame, too. I'll,
0: I will argue that I, I will argue that they have never gone away. I, w- I mean yes we may go through cer- cyclical things where what you know I don't know what catches fire what gets money but these people have passed from the realm of actual humans to celebrities to something else they are like these ever ever available fonts as as I wrote in a little essay that I published yesterday for us to like dip our fingers into and people will mm-hmm. do it you know with varying degrees of um industry this happens to be a large one but it never I don't, I, I think they've passed into, they, they are some sort of like astral bodies now at this point. Yeah. They're always, they will always be with us as long as, you know, we have sort of, you know, Americana culture.
1: Why do you think people are so fascinated by by Marilyn Monroe, um, who is sort of like has become wallpaper in in the American experience? I mean, she's
0: just everywhere. Um, well, we create our celebrities, right? I mean, that—that's us. There's the phrase like we—we—we—we we, we, we get the celebrities we deserve. We create them. Why? Why is somebody famous? Why is it, because we we breathe our desire onto them. We we go to their movies. We want to read the tidbits about them. And Marilyn as a, a as an Elvis, as you know, certain st- uh, uh, Michael Jackson or Johnny Cash, they just we just keep breathing at them, inhaling them and, and, and creating them with our, you know, our inhalations and our exhalations. I, you know, Marilyn was a, you know, I, I watched, uh, the, um, the movie the other night and the, the fifth column guys were in here filming and they came into my apartment. Um, I mean, taping while when the, when it was ending they're like, what is this? I told them. And then afterwards, Matt's like, I think, I think she was the quintessential movie star because she had that, you know, that, that real arc, you know, corn fed, um, uh, you know, moved to Hollywood, had the dream, had the nightmare. And he said, I don't, I don't think we're ever going to see the likes of her again. I'm like, I don't know, dude. She's right here. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's (laughs) correct
1: in that we're never going to see a star of that amplitude again. I I don't think so. I mean, you know, because she represents also a monoculture. I mean, when everybody was staring in the same direction and. Oh, that's uh, true. That's true. But, you you know, know and also an innocence lost. I mean, you know, like, I don't think we'll ever be able to look at, you know, part of the fascination with Marilyn, I think, is that For women, I think she represents both the great hope and the great terror. Um, The great hope is that, you know, you would be a woman of that. So desirable, so beautiful, so glamorous. And the great terror being that, you know, she had a very unhappy life. None of that, none of that saved her. None of that was protection. She was very lonely, very sad. um, And... I mean, she's a tragic figure, you know, and, and, and so, and then for men, I was, I was just reading last night, um, the only biography of Marilyn I've ever read, uh, is a pretty slim little book by Gloria Steinem. Did you know that she wrote a book about Marilyn Monroe in 1986? So Gloria Steinem wrote a book, um, It's pretty good. I mean, it's an interesting, sympathetic portrait of Marilyn. Um, But, you know, she was saying that she felt that for men, uh, Marilyn represented the sex goddess who also was um, like a child at the same time so that she wasn't threatening.
0: I think I want to just go back to what you were saying about... Um The Great her, Hope and the Great Terror. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the blonde that we just watched made a point of stressing, and I, I'm gonna assume this was something that uh, Carol Oates did. Um, to showing that she also had some sort of intellectuality, you know, that we know yes. that she was reading uh, Dostoevsky, we know that she was reading, I think, Ibsen. Chekhov, and, Chekhov. Chekhov, she Chekhov, was, right. Yeah. And, um, you know, she's she was able to sort of shapeshift to do what she needed to do, but that was too... That people are like no 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 like I don't want that from you like I've actually experienced this in my life I'm not not particularly recently but like people are like you're like oh hey here I am to do all these things and like, no, no 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 like we don't need that we just need you to sit there and look pretty I'm not right. saying that that happened to me so many times but this sort of thing like no we we need you to fit into this peg and Marilyn's peg you know was that she was I'm sorry I'm going to be super crude here first yeah she was hot and then she was a wet cunt meaning a literal wet cunt. No, I'm saying you saw this was the opening, one of the opening scenes. What did he want from her? She walks in completely prepared, gorgeous, ready with what she's going to tell him, ready to pitch herself. She has completely prepared. And what does he do? He pushes her on the floor. He pulls down her panties and he fucks her. Like he doesn't care. She could come in here and fucking be reciting, you know, I've, I've, I've created nuclear fissure. No, that's not what I want from you. Bend the fuck over. That is their, that is their failing. That is completely the failing of the, this, these, this guy or whatever the studio system was. And I think this is one of the reasons, I I don't know this as it was portrayed, um, that she was so devastated. Not only, yes, there were problems with her mother who was completely mad. um, And she was terrified of that. But she was looking to be a fuller sense of herself, which we we become as we get older, right, Sarah? Mm -hmm. You know, you were something when you were 20 or something when you were 30 or something when you were 40. But if people kept making you be the person you were at 20 and that person was just like a hot piece of ass, this has just got to be devastating. But And at the same time, I mean, if you look at, I mean, um, the actress, uh, what is it? So the actress playing this
1: role is Ana de Armas. She's a Cuban actress. She was in a couple films, Knives Out. She was in the Blade Runner sequel. um, Some other things that I'm forgetting. I got to say, I have some criticisms of this film. She is remarkable in this and I have never seen an actress inhabit Marilyn monroe the way that she does absolutely first of all just from a visual standpoint this is striking. There are times in this movie she looks exactly like Marilyn. I mean, I'm sure this is also, you know, we we got to thank the makeup artist. We got to thank the 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 cameraman. Like like people are. Like you you talked about uh, in in your story. You talked about the colorist.
0: Um, oh, I want I want to. We're talking. I wrote a little piece that published yesterday about this. We'll we'll put a link to it. Um, about blonde, uh, the ha- the hairstylist. I mean, it. The, oh. the, 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 whoever he or she is deserves an, an an Oscar. But I will tell you, I text texted my, um, my, basically my adopted son, Blake, who's this huge, like he's, he goes and cuts Gwyneth Paltrow's hair for the Oscars, this kind of thing. And I was like, this hair, he's like, it's magnificent. It's a great wig. I'm like, don't tell me that. Don't tell me it's oh, a wig. He's like, no. Nancy, it's a wig. A wig? <laughs> That's what he said. I don't know. Well, it makes sense. It'd be so
1: much easier. I know It'd be so much easier. I
0: mean, that hair is, I mean, how, how many times do you like, did you say to yourself, Sarah, I can do that with my hair? You know I what I was thinking it. the whole time. I was like, "Wow, that hair looks so. I
1: should really cut my hair shorter. Like oh it really God. looks so good. Oh, I'm always, I've always had long hair. Maybe it's time for me to do like a do it. Like a, I totally Sarah, had that, Sarah. You could and
0: and and platinum it out, man. Why not? You could it do kills platinum your I, hair. I,
1: I can't it do kills your hair. So what? It grows back. I know.
0: Come on, let's. Okay, okay, guys. All right, hold on. We're gonna take a little moment here. Guys, you know we want you to become a paid subscriber. So become a paid subscriber, so that Sarah can go dye her hair platinum and get. a... I will do this. uh, if you do, I will
1: absolutely do this. If we get enough paid subscribers, I will do my hair. That's the worst. That's the worst use of our paid subscribers. It is the best
0: use of our paid subscribers. We're if you if we get four or five paid subscribers, Sarah can go get her hair cut and dyed platinum. And Sarah, Sarah, what is this name of this beautiful podcast? This beautiful
1: podcast is called Smoke 'em If You Got Em.
0: It is. Um, okay. So we're back to okay, back to Oh, and yeah. Anita Armas, I want to say a couple more
1: things about her. You know, um, so when I first saw the the trailer for this, I was like, God, her accent keeps slipping in. That's really annoying. Um her her little Cuban accent does slip in every once in a while, but as but it's only like it's I, I really didn't notice it that much. Um her yeah, her inhabiting this role is really quite remarkable. Um I thought it was fantastic. And but the movie, which is nearly three hours long, we should also mention that it's NC17. This is the first yeah. NC17 Netflix movie that's ever happened.
0: So she's there's a lot of, I mean, it, mostly just her. She's she's topless, you know, quite a lot. And and if I may say, she has absolutely beautiful boobs i mean she's
1: really really she's she is is a gorgeous woman gorgeous playing a gorgeous woman
0: Um, but not really you
1: talked about um well i mean one of the words that has been used for this film and i think you used it too uh when we were talking was exploitative i did
0: um yeah you did I don't. I don't know if. Sorry, I'm not meaning to tell. If I said that, I I'm not sure. Maybe I said it like as we first started. No, watching, maybe you said vulturous. Oh, are, there, are these? Oh yes, 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 yes. I th- okay, okay. This is something I thought when we were watching it. I thought that. Um, I still think this, but I'm I'm not sure where it falls in the in the realm of okay and not okay. He the 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 director and writer kept showing how people were vultures who were preying on Monroe. That's but right. At, at the same time, he's doing the exact he's same doing thing. He's doing that. Yes. And But, you know, it's weird because watching it, my my friend I was watching a little bit of it with, she's like, it looks like a very expensive student film. And it it kind of does. I mean, it's especially at the beginning. I think it
1: looks better than that, by the way. It's
0: black and white. It has a lot of
1: beautiful photography. Is the whole thing black and white? No. No, I'm sorry. It alternates between black and white and color. Um, And it has, I thought it had a lot of lushness. I thought it was very beautiful to look at. And some incredibly, like, I thought... Cool surreal touches. No, so, I agree. But I guess okay. what I
0: mean by that that that's the very expensive part. It it's that there is a certain like you you spend the first hour hour and a half going like what the hell kind of construction is going on here? That's like let's mm-hmm. oh, just pl- here's a beautiful idea for a scene. Let's do it. And it's like yeah, but wait a minute. How does this work with the rest of it? But you know what? It's weird. As I went through at like hour two point five, I was kind of captivated, and yeah. now. Afterwards, it stuck with me to the point where I got up yesterday morning at eight o'clock and was writing an essay about it. Now that tells you something. It's like okay. It's it 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 landed. It landed. It, it's so
1: interesting because I can tell you this was not a pleasant experience. I mean like it's a creepy film, you know, and it, it's it, very it dark it is. It is. and it's it unrelentingly bleak. And I think that's to its detriment. I think that the movie could have been better if it had balanced some of this bleakness with um, mm. some of the joy that I'm certain was in Marilyn's life, but also that she took in either her work or, or, or various things, or just it, it was it was a joy to watch her you know, I wish I had seen more of that. Um, But this movie stayed with me. The next day, I felt like I'd had had a bad dream. It felt like a dream I had had. There are a couple of surreal moments that are very creepy towards the end that just really kind of stuck with me. It is a mood. Like this movie is is a little bit of a trance. Okay. Yeah, And and to speak to the point about it being a student film, I think there is some disjointedness about this movie. Um, It, I, I think, tries to put you in the mindset of what it was to be Marilyn. And so there are a lot of subjective scenes that kind of clash together
0: or don't make sense. And we're skipping through time um yeah at the beginning at least for me this it's fine go ahead and skip through time I mean I have done that a million times when I'm writing but there was a certain like the audience I don't even know if that's needed to catch up with what you were doing it was like wait where are we why are we like it didn't it kind of didn't make sense and also because he plays around sort of with the um styles as I put in my piece yesterday it's like why do they look like 1990s Calvin Klein models? Don't ask. Like you you don't know. Are you am I now with Arthur Miller or am I still back in Hollywood when she got there? I don't know because this could actually be the Actors Studio in New York or it could be a, like you don't know. He's he's unseating you mm-hmm. in a way that keeps there's a it, it creates this disequilibrium. Maybe that's the point. Maybe he wants to make you feel like you've got a disequilibrium so that you can feel like Marilyn felt. I don't know.
1: Yeah, by the way, if you didn't know the facts of Marilyn's life, I think this would be a difficult watch because it doesn't actually ever introduce to you that, okay, this guy that she's sitting across from in, in the booth is Joe DiMaggio, who she's going to marry, right. played by the great Bobby Cannavale.
0: Oh, I love um, him. Oh, I uh, love him. I love it. He's another one. Who doesn't like Bobby Cannavale? And also, and also kind of sexy. Oh, he? my, kind of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Much Bobby, sexier than Bobby, Joe DiMaggio, by the Bobby, way. Bobby, call me. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Bobby Cannavale yeah. is great. Um, you know, and, and you, you might not know that the, 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 the nerdy intellectual being played by Adrian Brody is, is of course a famous playwright, Arthur Miller. Um, so yeah, so it does, it, it doesn't really hold your hand. Um, it also plays loose, hard and loose with the facts. Um, you know what's
0: really interesting, which I just realized just now because I didn't realize that they also never—the the essay I wrote yesterday really focused on these two uh Characters with with whom Marilyn has this kind of menage a trois love affair, which apparently was not true. Doesn't matter; it never happened. It's fine. Um, spoiler. Um, and they are the they are um, they are Edward G. Robinson Jr. and Charlie Chaplin Jr. And as I was writing my piece, I realized we never. I mean, we know that they are uh, they're juniors, but they never call each other by a name. They don't have names. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. Neither does Joe DiMaggio, who, of course, everybody knows his name. Neither does Arthur Miller, which almost everybody knows his name. I wonder, and you know, even the studio heads. You know, these That's are right. Everybody, yeah. So and every, everybody's just sort of like a like a background. They're like a, they're mm-hmm. like pieces in her story, but they don't they don't even have names.
1: It's unclear if that was a a sort of a legal workaround or if it's a. It, I think this is also true in in the Joyce Carol Oates book, by the way.
0: Okay. Yeah, but I um, know I think it's I think it's very deliberate. I think it's yeah. very deliberate. Um, yeah. Well,
1: the, uh, so this movie has split critics. This has like a forty five percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. There are and and a thirty seven percent audience. So it's even less popular with audience members. I think because it's a difficult film. Um, a lot of people feel like this is an exploitation of Marilyn Monroe's
0: um, well, what legacy. Are we, well, what are we supposed to do? I mean, like, what well, if you're going to be if you're going to be making any art, you know, art begets art. If you're going to be making anything based on her, what makes it not exploitative? Are they saying it's exploitative because she's naked a lot, because she's she's abused? I mean, what, what if you, What's what? Where's the line between homage and and exploitation and art?
1: I think that um two things here I think one of them is that in in there's a exactly the point that you made about the the movie being sort of like treating her like a piece of meat inside of sort of crawling over her body several times I mean we get there there are scenes that actually have the p o v of like going into her vaginal canal during an abortion yeah. scene um. That's a little do, eye I'm,
0: popping. I said at this point, I was like, wow, we we're gonna have we get to see her cervix? I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. Like how much it's a, how it's much a little more much? Can, how much more can we eviscerate that? But this is this is in a way, okay. Sorry. This shows you our absolutely insatiable appetite. And it's it's gross. You know, it's gross, but but here we are.
1: Right. Oh
0: man. Fucking right, right. fucking and, fame, man. It's bad.
1: It is, you know, um, oh, oh, and what I was going to say was, you know, like, in, in, I imagine, I don't know how, I don't know how faithful this is to the Joyce Carol Oates book because I haven't read it, um, but I did read some, some commentary about it that, you know, I, I think it, it certainly is, you know, it's taken, for the most part, I, I do think he made up the talking fetuses.
0: You mean the fetuses actually didn't talk? They didn't talk in the
1: book, which I think was oh, one oh, of the... I thought you meant in real life. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. That, by the way, that's an embroidered fat like <laughs> The fetus is in real life. Fact versus fiction. Marilyn Monroe's license, fetuses Sarah. didn't talk. No, I meant it's not in the book. And I, I think that I, I want to talk to you about that for a second in a minute, because um, I think that's one of the less successful parts of the movie. Um but, uh, you know, in the book, it, you can describe this kind of uh, exploitation without actually doing it yourself with the camera. I think there's a difference when you make it visual and you have um, the camera, you know, like like zooming in on her ass during that seven year itch scene. Um, and, and things that that you can do in the imagination when you do them on on the screen, like they have a different valence.
0: Definitely. And so what is he saying? Like, is he saying, look how terrible we are? Or is he, oh man, we got it. We got to have this part. What is it? Is it both? Right. All right. So what? the, I, I have a feeling, I think I know what you're going to say about the fetuses, but because well, two people have said it to me yesterday, <laughs> but maybe well, one not. of the,
1: one of the interesting critiques of this film, you know, one of the reasons that people don't like it, um, is that you know it's perceived as like a a an anti-abortion film.
0: Um yeah because god forbid anybody be anti-abortion. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, well, there's a couple things here. I mean, um Marilyn has two abortions in this film. Both of them are pretty traumatic to go through. Um to me it felt like first of all somebody that was was deeply ambivalent uh, torn between w- the demands of her career and what she might have wanted in her own life we know that marilyn did want children at least she talked about it a lot um, how do we know that she she spoke about it in interviews okay. quite a bit that you okay. know especially towards the end of her life you know that one of the things that she still wanted to do was have kids she, okay. and and she had 3 I, Two miscarriages and an what? ectopic pregnancy with with Arthur Miller. So they okay. were, you know, they were trying to have children. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And uh. You know, so, and 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 in real life, we don't know whether or not she had an abortion. Um, there are biographies that that quote friends of hers as saying that she might have had as many as a dozen. Um, but we have no record of them. Um, no. So we so we really don't know. Okay. But in this movie, um, there is this thing where the there's like a little it's like a CGI little baby in the womb that starts talking to her. Yeah. Um. Now, separate from whatever this says about abortion i mean one of the one of the critiques of this is that well this this is portraying a baby that um was far more developed than ever you know than would have been in real life well now i mean look <laughs> Look now, when people are thinking about a child inside of them, this is nineteen fifties and sixties. First of all, (laughs) they're not Uh, thinking of uh, a. Somebody doesn't really have any idea. This is again, this is a subjective experience of what's in her mind. It makes total sense to me that were she imagining, if that's what we're indeed doing, if we're imagining what's inside of us, that that would look like. Right. This. I mean, this is just this this undeveloped child. That's silly, but okay. Um you know and then there there are moments like um like later in her life when the, the the fetus says to her like don't don't kill me like the last one you know and 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 people have said like that's you know it's like operation rescue propaganda
0: um I mean, uh, because of course, because they're going to see it through the lens of how they need to see this particular issue, which has been a very obviously hot issue this year and for the past 50 years. The fact of the matter is, 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 or at least... As being represented in the film, and as we know about Marilyn Monroe, she had a very hard childhood. Her mother was mad and institutionalized. She grew up, I think, you know, with different foster families and in orphanages. Mm -hmm. She was constantly looking for connection, not Mm -hmm. just to be a a piece of ass or or a person on a poster. And part of this, she wanted closeness. And part of this, I can see, would manifest into wanting to have children, which is not a very unusual desire for anyone. And so she had that, but she was locked into a system uh, in some ways, in, ter- in terms of a studio system, uh, and also her own fear of passing on mental illness to a child. Right. And she. Um, right. And she- her own alcohol and drug use, which was. And also the people that, you know, she was with. I mean, that scene at Musso and Frank with the two men when she's so elated and she's coming in and to tell them, it's just, those two characters really got under my skin. Um, And, you know, you you need, you know, boy, we're going to get into it here. You know, it's not really enough sometimes that it's just you and you're the fetus that is growing inside of you. You know you kind of do need support whether it's from family or friends or your husband or your lover or your work or whatever it's a it's hard especially at the beginning of pregnancy it's a fucking emotional time i remember my 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 late ex um the woman that he dated after he and I were together, she was a, she was like a real single mom. Like, I don't think there was a dad anywhere in the picture. And she was very, she really didn't have a lot of money. And this story he told me about after she had her son, he wasn't with her yet. He, he met the son when he was like nine, that she took the bus home alone from the hospital. And this oh just God. kind of broke my heart. It actually wound up in my little, again, my little novella, the The, the Bad Mother. You know, you do need support. And if you don't have it, it's hard. So I can understand her a both, you know, talking to her fetus, whether this happened or not. Yeah. I think women do when you're pregnant. You obviously have something growing inside you. You are, you have a connection, whether you want to admit it or not, or feel it or not. And then also to realize that. You're just not going to make it. Or the external pressures are too much. Or the studio system's like, you've got to fucking get to work. How are you going right. to do that pregnant? Remember that? You know, she's talking to. she's like, yeah. well, then you're going to give me X amount of money. And that was a deal, right? That was a deal. Like, she's pregnant. Okay. Wait, who's getting this amount of money? Well, then I need to get this amount of money. And she made a, de- you know, she makes the deal. I, I don't, I I, I got to tell you, everybody's going to make everything about the abortion wars or the culture wars or the race wars. It's just like. Just just leave it alone. Just watch the movie.
1: Um the director Andrew Dominic did respond to this. He said, if people are looking at blonde as having a position on abortion, it does have a position. Its position is that if you're an unwanted child, pregnancy is going to be deeply ambivalent. Here we go. So so um, So would you recommend this movie?
0: you know it's weird I would if you would ask me because we were actually texting a little bit while we were watching we were watching at the same time or I think we were um I would have been like no I almost I almost turned it off after in about 45 minutes in um but then I don't know you know it just kind of got under my skin and I gotta say that that Artists like that, man. It doesn't have to be super successful sometimes to to get under your skin and stay with you. And this one has. And um, Can I tell you a th- secret? Yeah. I didn't respond
1: to your messages when you were texting me. Did you notice that? Yes. Because I was actually feeling like I was in a little bit of a trance. Oh, good. good. And I wanted to stay there. Good. Good, you know? good, good. It was, you know, I, I was, I was, I was kind of drawn into this movie. I didn't enjoy it um, as much as I felt a little bit like I don't know, sucked in by it or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so Nancy's ch- texting me, and she's like, "I don't think we should talk about this movie. This movie is as vulturous as as <laughs> as it, it's critiquing other people for being what the hell with these letters from her father." And I was oh, just sort of like, oh, "Yeah, you you hated oh. that,"
0: and I was just, I was sort of like, "I can't respond no, no, to this gonna, right now." It's good. I also kind of love. I mean, this is this is actually true, listeners. Like. Uh, we just started watching this movie at the same time. We did not say, like, what are you wearing? It's like we both just turned it on at the same yeah. time. This really weird, Sarah Heffler, but sort of great. No, I love that you didn't. And also, I love that it is, you know, art, like real art. I was actually reading, there was an essay, um, actually, by Walter Kern. Um, I only I, did, I only got to read about half of it. He's talking about how AI is never going to make real art. And I, I I haven't finished the piece yet, Um, but there is something... There is the mystery of actual real art. And somehow, as as weird and disjointed as this movie is, for me, it passed through that sort of that sort of crystal veil or whatever you want to call it and has moved into it's it's art. And I would recommend it. Um it, it may not be for you at all, and that's fine because you know it's not the godfather or something like that. Yeah. But but it um it carries something for for us, for both of us and you know it might be worth your while to check out well and and i think
1: you know i i'm always drawn into stories that that pull the curtain back on one of the great sort of beautiful delusions of our time uh, which is that fame will give you the love that you're looking for when almost inevitably it does the opposite, which is that it isolates you from the kind of connection that you want from other people, which I will use as a segue to talk about our next, uh, story. This is going to be a hard one for me, which is Anthony Bourdain. We have, um, coming out in October on October 11th is a new biography of the great and much um, much loved, much missed uh, Anthony Bourdain. Um, there was a story about that book in the New York Times uh, called The Last Painful Days of Anthony Bourdain. It's by Kim Severinson. Um, the new book is an off- unauthorized biography. Um, it's by a writer named Charles Learson. I think Learson? Learson, it's a weird, it's
0: a, it's a weird spelling L
1: E E R H S E N. So yeah.
0: yeah, whatever. Learson, let's say Learson. Yeah.
1: yeah. He's a journalist. Um, He's been an editor at sports illustrated and a senior writer at newsweek. He's also written about Butch Cassidy and Ty Cobb. Um, So the book is called down and out in paradise, the life of Anthony Bourdain. And, you know, this is something that is aiming to explain, kind of get behind the question, the great mystery of Anthony Bourdain. It's also often the great mystery of people who take their own lives, which is why did someone who had such a seemingly uh, lucky life and an incredible job so loved, why why did he kill himself? Um, one of the things this does is to show you how isolated he was at the end of his life. Um, he apparently was injecting steroids. He was drinking very, very heavily to the point of blackout. Um, this also says that he was visiting prostitutes and he had all but vanished from his 11 year old daughter's life. Um, this is something that family members and friends have, um, not surprisingly, um, not been very uh supportive of meaning the biography meaning, meaning. the biography itself yeah. um, but he did speak to many people for this uh, a lot of the people he describes as being people that let you know were left behind by the quote the Tony train meaning that as Tony Bourdain's life took off into on a rocket um. Some people were left behind. Some people were left behind. Uh, these are people that he spoke to. He also has access to a lot of text messages uh, and information that was on Tony's laptop. Uh, we're not sure exactly how he got that, although uh, the Tony's estate is run by his ex-wife, Otavia, and she has not objected to this, to this book. So we don't know if she is... Um, I think it's implied that
0: it's implied that she kind of, she was, she was been a source, but she just decided not to comment. Um,
1: Um, the, uh, some of the things that this says, you know, there's a, there's a line here, um, that he wrote to Octavia in a text message. Bourdain says, I hate my fans too. I hate being famous. I hate my job. I am lonely and living in constant uncertainty. Um, You know, uh, this is, so, so some of the, the controversy around the story when it came out was whether or not this is, uh, really even a worthy enterprise. You know, should we have this book? Should somebody be making money off the sad details of somebody that, that died? Um, especially when some of the details might be really, well, they're disputed first of all. Um,
0: well, he says at one point, um, in the piece, it's, it's there, you're looking at it, um, that he kind of, he didn't want to, he wanted to kind of give the unshiny version of, yeah. of Bourdain. He didn't want to, to, to contribute to the, uh, ha- hagiography, hagiography. Ha- hagiography, sure. Yeah, hagiography. He didn't want to, which, so I had, I had a little bit of a problem actually with the article. I was really glad you sent it to me, um, cause I hadn't seen it, um, And then when we got to him saying, you know, well, the fact that a lot of people wouldn't speak with me offered me opportunity, which I very well understand as a a journalist, you know, people not speaking with you also speaks volumes sometimes. He's like, so I got the people that wouldn't, you know, that were left behind by the Tony train. I'm like, oh, great. Like, so you're getting people that are like, Cranky or unhappy or yeah. jealous or whatever—that's a little strange, um, or maybe a little distasteful. And then there was the the bit about like, yeah, I don't want to add to the sheen. It's like, well, then what are you what are you looking for? Are you looking are you looking for a whole story or are you looking for things that are maybe half true or salacious? I found I, I found the writer's quotes a bit distasteful. Hmm. Did you did you get that? sense at all, the way he was talking about it. I also said to you, which I understand, Um, he and his wife traveled to several countries in order to follow Bourdain's story. And one of the things they made sure to do was to stay, okay, stay with me here, to stay in the same room where Bourdain killed himself. Now, I understand as a journalist looking in that room, for sure. I get it. Like you, you have to be able to, but you
1: want the details. You need to be able to write about it.
0: Even if if it's elliptically, even if it's just in the back of your mind to give it the sense of what you're trying to imbue. But the idea that you needed to stay there and to talk about that, that you stayed there. I found this, I just got to tell you, Sarah, I found it when we're talking about being a vulture, this was sort of like du- directly vulturous in a way that I, I kind of really turned me off and made me not want to read his book. Hmm. Frankly,
1: interesting. Yeah, that 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 detail took me back to it was a tad ghoulish, and and I just yeah. thought, well, you know, I, 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 you want to, you want to experience what the person experienced. I think, you know. Oh, <sighs> um, yeah, I know Yeah, I know um, um, So So this yeah, but, I, but I take your point that, you know, we have a lot of We have a stacked deck here in terms of who he's talking to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and But I do think, you know I'm on the side of Of wanting this book I can't speak to how he did it yeah, that's uh, going to be the proof. Meaning that's how Charles
0: Learson did it? Exactly. That's going to be the proof. I mean, if he Yeah, comes I mean, out- I, I
1: can't say whether yep. or not I I I think this book is in good taste. I haven't read it yet. It certainly seems like if you have a lot of people that loved Tony and, and wouldn't participate with you in this book, that, yeah, it's possible that what we get is a, li- a little bit more of a of a disgruntled telling of his life. I am... Of the, like, like this guy was so mythologized, and everyone thought, like, everyone thought he had the best job in the world, and that it was so happy, and yet, it is so clear from Anthony Bourdain's life that he was running his whole life. He was running away from the person that he was inside, whatever emptiness he felt inside of him, you know, and that those demons caught up with him. Um,
0: I mean, this I, is this is Marilyn. That's right. Well, this is a lot of famous people. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the same. It's the it's the medicating, it's the self hating. It's people believing that you are this thing. I mean, you're a kiss on the hand. You know, she's incredible. She's super sexy. She's so it it must be just all diamonds and bubbles and handsome men. Meanwhile, it's loneliness and Let's not, I can't, I, I literally cannot even talk about the scene with JFK. I, I, am well, first of all, because I don't want to spoil it. Sorry, we just dipped back to Marilyn Wow, wow.
1: And I, Anthony I, Bourdain I, did not meet JFK. No, 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 um, no,
0: no, 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 no. What I'm saying yeah, is that there the, is a the contrast, terrible,
1: yeah, I, yeah, we should mention this in Blonde. And I actually, it's I, not, I, I don't, I thought that scene was too harsh by Too on the nose. Two on, on
0: the nose. First of all, the visuals in it are, uh, do you lousy. know that I, do you know that I, I'm not? We're not going to say what it is. I actually couldn't. I I I averted my eyes for most of that. I just I was like, I can't. I can't. Also, I my particular, and I know it wouldn't happen. And I know you can't. And if I had walked into that room, I'd be like, okay, I'm dipping. See ya. You got to try yeah, a right. fucking harder than that, dude. So anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah okay, I mean,
1: okay. it's it's just there are moments when blonde feels like it. You know. It it feels like a clobbering when a feather stroke could have done yeah, yeah, a little bit more. And that's a moment when yeah. it does.
0: so to what you're you not only to what your fans think you are, but what they also expect. What is keeping the sort of you know, the Bourdain train on the tracks. Uh, you know, you, you have to play a certain character and he was a man of excesses. I don't think that was ever that that was never in doubt. I mean, if you read kitchen confidential, which I did, I read out loud in bed to my husband years ago when it came out. If you want to read an out loud book to a friend or a spouse or whatever, it's, it's a fabulous out loud read. Um, I mean, he was a man of excesses in terms of drugs, in terms of fucking, in terms of cigarettes, in terms of drinking, and and in terms of working. He just had this veracity, and then he got kind of sober, and, and then he took up this uh some kind of martial arts where he did it like to like extreme, extreme, everything, everything, trying to eat it, trying to fill up something.
1: And then But I
0: remember, you know, like
1: I remember I, I tried to read the uh New Yorker profile from 2017 by Patrick Radden Keefe. Um which was a very good, I mean, he's a great writer and it was a very good profile. Unfortunately, I had run out of my New Yorker articles, so I could not read it again. My, my, my free allotment of articles was this up for before, this month.
0: This is before. This is
1: like a 20, year or two before he kills okay. himself. I wanted to read it again because I remember reading it in 2017 and having a conversation with a friend of mine who was sober. And we were like, why does nobody talk about the fact that he is like, like addiction is like trampling all over this guy's life. Like he still, dr- he talks about kicking heroin, but he never kicked the other things. And he is so clearly a victim of his own addictions. And yet nobody really talks about it.
0: Um. Hi, Michael Jackson. Like you can't, you can't, I mean, look, I'm not saying (laughs) Anthony Bourdain was a Michael Jackson character, but you know, people that are celebrated and who are paying your fucking salary, you can't, you can't tell the King that there's a problem here, right? You got to, got to go along with it. And the people that, but that's actually kind of not true though, in a way, in a sense for Bourdain, I mean, we all, we watched the, the, the the, uh, Roadrunner that came out last year. And I mean, there were people in his life that were like dude you know you, you, they were they were they were trying to keep everything like on a calm level. I don't think they were bullshitting him. They weren't like blowing smoke up his ass and telling him like he, he was like this perfect person. But still, you know, how mm. do you how do you get a grown-up to stop? Okay, Sarah, we've all been here. How do you get a grown-up to stop doing something you think that they should stop doing.
1: No, I'm not saying that people yeah. should have done that. I think I, you know, and, and in fact, like, okay, so I watched roadrunner again last night, which by oh. the way, if you haven't watched it, it's just an exceptional documentary. It's exceptionally well done. Um, It's, it's gripping, it's complicated. It points at a lot of the, like it is, it, if, if you're concerned about the exploitation of Anthony's legend, I, I, I don't think this does that. I think it very uh, lovingly and with with great anguish, but from the people that loved him, talk about some of the problems. I'm, I'm, and and a lot of them live with grief for not having said something, not having intervened. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about why in the public consciousness did people not like there was a celebration of him without really a discussion about the fact that like, uh, let me just say like, if as somebody who's, who's in AA and surrounded by a lot of addicts, that guy pinged of addiction and, and kind of like running from your own problems. And, and I always felt like this thing was going to catch up to him. He always pinged of that from the beginning.
0: Well, you and I, are those kinds of people where journalists you pay attention to this addiction stuff but most people that are watching Parts Unknown they're like I don't know they're watching it from 9 to 10 and then they're going to go do something else they're really not no, thinking enough. about his life you know they just are, aren't um, so let's get into uh, another part of the meat of the matter where, where obviously people always wonder and will never really know why people will take their own lives which is why it's so devastating and um, mysterious and and awful Um, There was a lot of speculation um, that Anthony Bourdain's uh, romantic relationship with the actress, the Italian actress, Aja Argento, um, which was which actually happened on camera the he was visiting Rome and he met her and she's sort of like a, a similar sort of like outlaw type to him you know wearing black leather mm-hmm. and kind of sexy and smoking a lot and we're going to drink and, uh, she's amazing gonna show voice. Yeah, yeah 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 and her father was the uh, horror director Dario Argento and, yep. and she's done some stuff herself she's an actress like she's sort of like a personality she uh, directed this uh, this JT Leroy film the hardest deceitful above all things I know a lot about about that because I wrote about the JT Leroy hoax. Mm-hmm. And actually back in, I think it was 2003, I was at the wrap party for The Hardest Deceitful above, above Above All Things. It was at the Chateau Marmont. And uh, my brief for the LA Times was, is there a real JT Leroy? Of course, it turned out there wasn't. I'll put a link. It's too long to go into here. But in any case, at that time, I met Aja Argento and asked her, like, is JT real? And she gave me, as yes. I put in my piece, that sort of like Italian p- the way they give you that puff when you, they're so yeah. dismissive of you. Yeah. But at the same time, on it, it was a Chateau Marmont like suite. There were different bedrooms, and there were all kinds of famous people there. Kim Gordon from uh, – anyway, on the bed, lolling on the bed with Marilyn Manson was this boy, this eight- or nine-year-old boy, Jimmy mm-hmm. Bennett, who had played – had played the um, the young boy in the heart is deceitful ab- above all things, and I kind of was a little it was like a little weird and concerning. It was like eleven o'clock at night, and there were all these grown ups and everyone's partying. In any case, we're going to jump forward now. We're going to jump forward to I guess it's twenty seventeen. Argento makes a claim against Harvey Weinstein, saying that he had sexually assaulted her or raped her. I don't remember raped her. Raped her. Okay. Uh, and it is 2017 and she along with Rose McGowan actress Rose McGowan they become very quickly the they speak to, with Ronan Farrow and they become the two celebrity faces of me too uh Asia Argento's story was that um she had gone to meet uh Weinstein I believe in a hotel and he had uh he had made her allow him to go down on her and this was the the uh I guess the first assault Afterwards, she admitted she continued to have, I think, for about 10 years, a consensual sexual relationship with him when she saw him when they were in the same city. Though, of course, it was sort of canted to the fact that he was powerful and she felt she wasn't. And so she kept having sex with him. In any case, this is 2017. Rose McGowan and Aja Argento are the biggest faces of Me Too. Me Too has become this meteor. It is burning down the culture. Weinstein is, of course, you know what happened with Weinstein. He's arrested and things get very bad. But at the same time, Jimmy Bennett, the little boy I saw on the bed who uh, Rose McGowan had directed, comes out. We don't know this yet and he is going to expose the fact and sue her for $3.5 million for having sex with him in a Southern California hotel room when he was 17 and she was 37.
1: 34.
0: Mm, really? Okay.
1: Nope, she was 37. 37. Why? Why I say, do I ever think well, I'm right I on. wrote
0: about this, and that's why yeah, I wrote no about kidding. this. In any case. So, so this is not revealed yet because in the... The background, Aja, and is trying to deal with this. Well, how do they deal with this? She is now with Bourdain very publicly, who also has become an extreme and vocal advocate for the Me Too movement, Re- mm-hmm. referring to Aja as a hero and a very, very brave, obviously, for coming forward with this. In the meantime, out of view that nobody knows yet, Bourdain has arranged to pay Jimmy Bennett through. $380,000 to keep him quiet so that he will not bring his story to the fore. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't work. He does. Jimmy Bear, Bennett does come forward with these allegations. Uh, ajar Argento denies it, says it never happened. Jimmy Bennett's like, okay, how about this selfie we took in bed? And, and it shows them in bed, uh, you know. A lot of people have said, gee, he looks super unhappy. He wasn't. He was a 17-year-old guy banging a 37-year-old woman. They look perfectly happy in bed. But regardless of that, it is a crime in the state of California. Ager Argento hero of Me Too is caught pretty much red-handed, and it becomes this sort of—it kind of blows up. And in the midst of this, meanwhile, we learn from uh, the article in the New York Times by Kim Severinson, not only has Bourdain— paid this money to Jimmy Bennett but he has for the time that they've been together we don't know how long he's been supporting Argento mm-hmm. and her children mm-hmm. and some of her friends are giving them money sort of some shades of Johnny Depp Johnny and Depp, Am- yeah. Amber Heard and meanwhile you know he's busy he's increasingly depressed and apparently behind the scenes even though he's he he tells he 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 texts his wife because they're still married. He and his wife are still married, that um he's hopelessly in love with Argento. Meanwhile, Argento is apparently extremely jealous and is scouring uh his social media for any pictures that might feature him and his daughter, including on Father's Day. She's outraged by this. And and Bourdain's wife is like, I'm I'm tired of pretending we don't know each other. Like, mm-hmm. what, you know, she's just her behaviors. Out of control. In any case, it's now 2018. Things are bad, and um, he's beseeching her, I guess, to be more loving or 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 to tell her the pain he's in. She's not very interested in hearing about this. To the point where I guess it's in June. Um, she is photographed with another man, a French photographer, uh, on the streets of Rome uh, and at the hotel where she and Bourdain had had their love affair. And he, he plummets and he writes to her, uh, I'm not going to go into all of it because I think people should read it for themselves. He, 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 or you can, you can choose to read it if you want to the part where he's like, I don't own you. Mm-hmm. I've told you, you are free as I pledged, as I promise, but you were, you were reckless with my heart. You were reckless with my life. Is, am I getting this? Am I That's paraphrasing right, yeah. this? That's paraphrasing. And yeah. it's, it's, it's it's so heartbreaking, but also very, very even. Like it's it's someone who is has very few resources left, it at least as represented as we're reading. And um Argento does not come back with kindness to him. What did, what did she say? I'm not talking about the very, very end part. I'm talking about that part. It's like I can't do this anymore. She's like, I can't deal with this anymore. I can't deal with this anymore. Okay so this is uh this is several days before um he took his life i don't I don't think we should read the very end part do okay. you uh, what do you think I mean I don't know um I um I don't know I don't if you y- yeah we won't um I think people should read it I think it has to land the way that it was set up in the article so you you go ahead and read it
1: Yeah. And this, Um, this is the, uh, the last text exchange between between them, Aja Argento and, um, and Anthony Anthony Portain. Maybe
0: we should maybe go ahead, go ahead. You do it. I don't have it in front of me.
1: Um, so the last text exchange, um, it also is the opening of the book. Um, so, I'm scrolling down now. Sorry. It's the
0: very, 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 very end. It's the last.
1: Yeah. He says... He texts her, is there anything I can do? And she texts him, stop busting my balls. And he says, okay. Um, and he held himself.
0: That, that he night. killed himself that, that night. So, look... Uh, you know, we want to see villains sometimes. Sometimes it makes it easier for us to have, like, one villain, and um, I, I, that's a little too easy. It's always a more complicated story. Bourdain chose to take his life. There were a lot of complicating factors going back to when he was very, very young. Was he shown unkindness from Argento? I, I believe he was, but again, I'm not in a relationship. We all, you know, breakups are hard. They're bad. Um, i will say i at the time wrote about this for reason magazine in uh, in 2018 right after Bourdain had killed himself when she was still trying to present herself as a hero and i thought this is not okay um you 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 can't you can't have it both ways you can't you know for me almost the least of it is she slept with a 17 year old I you know whatever yeah. that's not the point that's the not point, yeah the point is that you you were very very ready to be the hero for exposing your uh initial rape and then 10 year consensual sexual relationship with, with, with Harvey Weinstein to get all the accolades and attention that came with that, to have your boyfriend pay off your younger lover, Mm -hmm. to have him support your friends. And then when he comes to you with a real cry for help, it's like, you know, stop busting my balls. This is not, this is not, a kind person. Now, was she at a bad time in her life? Maybe. I think she's yeah, sober I have no now. no idea. Sure. Yeah. We don't really know. Um, but I think she was rightly no longer the face of me too. Um, because you just can't, you can't have it both ways. But then uh, we're going to go forward a little. I, I, I last night, um, I had been talking about this with Matt, this whole, this whole thing about Asha, and he knew about the reason piece I wrote because he was around then. Sure. Um, and I, I said, I, I hate to do this to you, but I have to show you this uh Instagram post that she had. And then I thought, I was like, no, I'm not going to. I don't need to I don't need to introduce that ugliness to anybody else. Um, but I will mention it now because you sent it to me last night. So we're gonna
1: introduce it to everyone to else. To everybody now, to the everybody world. on this, um, that's listening to this. But you
0: know it's a story, so it's not up there anymore, I doubt, because those things disappear after twenty-four hours, mm. I believe. Um so um so the New York Times article was not particularly it, it said exactly what we just told you. Uh you know the whole don't you know stop busting my balls and 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 about Argento. And her response to this was to yesterday uh post a little Instagram story of a um of a shirt that says Stop busting my balls or don't break my balls, something like that. Which, by the way, in Italian is no rompe male, which my, my Italian sister-in-law used to say it all the time. Don't, uh, no, <laughs> don't, 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 no rompe male, don't bust my balls. Um, but, but the picture on it, I, I'm not going to be able to get through this, Sarah. <laughs> it's, yeah. What does he, what does it look like is happening to that man? Uh, what does it look like?
1: I mean it, it it looks like he's being being hung hung I I just don't uh it's
0: um I don't understand
1: it th- my most generous uh response to this is that it is just like a like someone who feels misunderstood or, or wronged by this public story lashing out in this outlaw way. Um I, I, It's very it, hard to have a generous interpretation of this.
0: It is so this man it's, is dead. This is this, this this man is dead. Yeah. And your response is to go and basically kick his corpse. For what? What does this gain you? I obviously had never seen her Instagram feed um, until last night when you linked it to me. And I, so of course I scrolled through her pictures. She, she, Aja Argento is a very attractive woman. I don't know. How old is she? 45 maybe? Yeah. 50. I don't know. But she's incredibly good looking. And you know, I looked at I looked at I don't know about 20 of her pictures. She's still, you know, kind of like sucking on this, like outlaw, I'm so badass, but also so beautiful. And look at this. And now I'm on stage. It's like she's got a persona that she has to maintain. And I guess she I didn't look at how many followers she has or how many thousands it was of people like liked her liked her picture of this. But it's sort of like, you know, when 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 Kurt Cobain killed himself. And and uh, uh, Courtney Love, in her grief or whatever, a couple of days later, she was like shouting out, "Shout, you know, fuck you, Kurt!" Right. And all these people are shouting it when that is that is just like a reflection of their pain that they were in. This is four years later, and you are inviting your viewers to kick this man. This is not good. You are are not being a good person here. I I don't even... The reason I'm sounding so simplistic here is because I don't even know how to frame this. I just don't even know how to frame this sort of selfishness and cruelty or is it that she's like saying I'm still in so much pain that I don't even know how else to... I don't know. I I I have to
1: assume she is deeply resentful for the implication that she had a part in somebody else's choice to end their own life. I think as you pointed out, it's very important not to do that. Uh, You know, Anthony Bourdain was somebody that was running all his life. He had a series of addictions. His last addiction happened to be to this woman. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Well, then maybe what she could have done is shown some grace. I mean, that's always an option, isn't it? So, okay. The New York times gets it wrong. The New York times gets your final text, which is your final text. Okay. You know what? I, so then you look back and say, "You know what? Nobody knows about our breakup. I'm just gonna let this go. I'm gonna let this just go, but no i i i I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan so. yeah, she's um
1: she's a very troubled person. Yeah. Uh,
0: I guess and- or, or not or not you know what does she care what we think i it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all what we think of this. but I did find I have to say I found that um image beyond disturbing. Beyond disturbing, I—if I, 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 you had given me a million choices to make of what I could have, my response could have been, it would not have been in the top million. So, um, Nancy, yes, what's I, in your hot box? Did you see? You didn't see my hands, but I have an interesting hot box today. I have an actual. Um, okay, hold on. I'm just gonna. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry.
1: I I, I tried I, to to make yeah, a hard right okay. turn there. Hard I don't know. Turn. We might need to shake it
0: off a little okay. bit. Okay. Um, um, I actually have, so every Wednesday or almost every Wednesday, we do our Wednesday open thread. And a couple of weeks ago is what do you um, always, what kind of, you know, non-essentials do you spend money on? And mine is skincare. So I have two skincare products I'm using right now, both of which I love. So I'm going to share with you. One is called a uh, Doctor Loretta Intense Replenishing Serum. So serums, if for people that don't know, it's like a, it's like a like kind of like an oil or a goo you put on your face before you put on your moisturizer. For those of you who use moisturizer, and um, sometimes it's watery, sometimes it's oily or whatever. This one's got the coolest consistency. It's kind of like. I don't know, drippy, nice. It feels like satin, man. It's cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, I really yeah, yeah. like this one. This is really cool. I got that at a, a place uh, here, a skincare place called Heyday, H-E-Y-D-A-Y, where I get facial sometimes, And um, but I'm sure I'll put a link. I'm sure you can find it online. The second one is this, it's a cream, like a moisturizer. It's called, it's by Arcana, is the brand, and it's Holocene, Intense Lipid Repair Balm. I think my daughter had had one of these. And she's like, Ugh, I can't use this. Mom's too heavy for me because she's a kid. Um, and I loved it. And I was like, let me go get myself some of this. But I looked a while ago. It was like $90. I'm like, I'm not spending $90 oh for like one ounce or whatever it is, a couple ounces of stuff. But I ran out of it the other day. I was like, damn it. I'm going to go splurge. And it was 35 $35 on this site uh, called, I think it's beauty heroes. I'm not sure, but I will find it, but um, I bought two of them and it's, um, it's also nice because I travel a ton. I'm constantly traveling and I'm going to be traveling for a couple of weeks in November and you don't want things that are big and bulky and the size is really nice. So um, I recommend these two, uh, these two products for softer, lovelier skin. Here at here
1: at Smogum, we, we are big fans of skincare. That is the middle-aged woman in us.
0: That's right. Okay, Sarah, what's in your hot box?
1: Well, in well, my hot box, I have been listening to. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a music one, and I'm gonna go back in the archives and tell you that I have been listening to "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road."
0: Oh, I had that double album. Did you? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Oh, it's so I did. good. It is it's, oh my every
1: song, every, every song. song, and it's such a like little jumble of of styles and like big bombastic songs. And, oh my, um, and ballads. Of course, that one also has a uh, goodbye, Norma Jean. Do you
0: know? Oh, it does. And do you know? Do you know a song? Do you, the song that you I've never heard since. Um, all the young girls love Alice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's this a good a, one. That's a great song. Um, that's a great song. You never, song. Yeah, you never another, hear it.
1: A really good one that I love um, that people don't talk about a lot is Grey Seal.
0: Yes. Do you know that one? Yes. Uh, yeah. the whole, guys, it's a double album. And as I recall there's just not a bad song on it. Am no, it's I, so good. It's yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. good. And yeah. it,
1: it, it starts out with, um, that, that mashup of like funeral for a friend and, mm-hmm. um, love it. Um, what is it called?
0: Love Lies love, Bleeding. Love Lies Bleeding. Love Lies which Bleeding. Which is a great, which, which is, is a great such song. a good
1: song. That's one of my favorites on the out, which is like the yep. jam yep. of yep. that. Yep. Um, but yeah, it, it, it just starts out and it's, it's, It's just such a big, ambitious, like, I don't know, soulful, wonderful
0: album. Some people don't like Elton John. I don't really understand those people. Oh, oh my God. I have a funny story. I was driving my daughter to school. She was like five. And we're driving to school, and this Elton John song comes on. I don't remember which one. And I look over, and she's sneering. I'm like, what? She's like, I don't like this. I'm like, okay, okay. Changed it. I don't know. Year later we're driving in Elton Johnson comes on. She starts sneering. I was like, she what is this? Got an one? allergy to Elton she John. Said, she likes him now, but when she was little, oh no.
1: Totally weird and random. But in any case. The reason I am listening to Elton John, do you want to guess? Biopic? biopic.
0: Oh, blonde hair? You're going you're gonna to blonde out your hair?
1: Because it's Is the it? soundtrack to my making my hair platinum. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> everyone listens to Elton John when they go to the stylist and do that. No, because I'm seeing him tonight.
0: Oh, my God, Sarah. Ah! Oh, my God, Sarah. It's my first time. I've never seen him. Oh, I would totally go. Oh, my God. Oh, my I God. Go.
1: I have to tell you, this was, I'm not like the hugest, like big live music fan. Like I don't do that stuff. At all. But I have a list of like, like three or four artists that I I made like a couple years ago. And I was like, I really need to go see these people. One of them was Paul McCartney, who I saw about four months ago. And the other, one of the other ones was Elton John, who I'm going to see tonight.
0: Someone told me recently that they had a friend whose, whose rule was, time like a big iconic act comes through your town go see them just go right. do it just do it I've done that I did that with um I did that with Leonard Cohen and then he wound up Dying like within the yeah. year, and I was so glad I did that. Uh, I did that with Fleetwood Mac when they were in town. Uh, oh, that we, they're on my list. We took Tava's dad when he was really, really sick a couple months before he died, and it was just great that we did that. We did the same. We took him also the year before to Tom Petty. It was just like let's just do it, let's just go. It was in Portland. It was so easy. It was the Rose Garden. It was like right down the yeah. street. Yeah. Oh, Sarah, I'm proud of you. If I now I'm going to see when he's in New York. Yeah. No, I should. I'll you totally should. go. I'll go. I'll go. Um. Okay, well, Sear Hefler, you got an interview and I got to get on some work. Today, um, guys, we love you. Thank you so much. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends to subscribe. We actually, um, we've kind of been seeing a little, a uh, little rise in our subscribers. That makes us we, very, very happy. Sarah, we got always,
1: quite, yeah, we got yeah. quite a, an uptick last week. Welcome,
0: welcome, welcome, everybody. Yeah, so we did, um, we did a little paywall episode, and that kind of, I don't know if it goosed some people to upgrade their episode or if just new people came on, but we love it. Um, Sarah gets the uh, what is it, the little uh, announcements, whenever We get some new subscribers. And she ding, 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 new subscriber. So, Yes, we're very happy. So anyway, we're happy to have you, Sarah Hepla Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful Friday. And um, I'll talk to you later. Bye, Nancy. You're welcome.